Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it is Monday, June 21st here in New York City. Hope everyone's doing well. I had a good weekend. Big NBA day yesterday. We had Game 1, Suns Clippers. Game 7, Hawks 76ers. One game went the way I thought it would. One game did not. And then we have breaking news this morning out of Washington on from the Supreme Court and a big ruling that went against the NCAA and four college athletes. So we'll get into that at the end of the podcast today. But we're going to start with the biggest story in the NBA today, which is the 76ers were eliminated from the playoffs last night by the Atlanta Hawks. A great performance by Atlanta all around. They have surprised a lot of people, including me, this this season. They were under 500 for about half of the season. They were make a coaching change. They fire Lloyd Pierce. They promote Nate, Nate McMillan, who had taken Indiana to the playoffs several years in a row. And... They went on a huge run in the second half of the season, and they are playing great, great basketball right now. They went into Philadelphia last night, came away with a seven-point victory, 103-96. It was a spectacular win for Atlanta, considering that the guy who I think is their second-best player didn't play much in the game. He was battling knee soreness and a type of knee injury. Bogdan Bogdanovich only played 21 minutes. Um, scored only four points. He was not himself, but the production that they got out of their entire roster, this is a deep team with a lot of guys who can step up, who play hard, who can knock down shots. It's not just a Trey Young team. Trey was great last night again, 21 points, 10 assists. Did he struggle from the field? Yes, he was 5 for 23, 2 for 11 from 3. Give credit to the Philadelphia defense for that. But he made timely shots, timely buckets, got to the free throw line when it mattered the most. He was he was just good enough in his 43 minutes to give them a chance to win at the end where he was able to elevate his game, hit a big, long three-pointer, mid-range shot, made a bunch of free throws. Trey Young, Trey Young is, he is a great basketball player. Now, this is all happening bef- sooner than I thought it would for him. I was... Not a Trey Young hater or a Trey Young disbeliever, but I thought that it, at at his age, the stats he was putting up were insanely impressive. But Atlanta wasn't winning a lot the the last two years, and so I was waiting. Okay, he's he's really good, but is is the team around him good? Is is he making the guys better around him? And as the guys around him have gotten better in their own development, and as the GM Travis Schlenk has has put better pieces around him. Trey Young has been able to elevate his own game and elevate the 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 play of the guys around him. Trey Young is he's always going to be a controversial player because of the number of three-pointers he takes, from how far away he takes them, the manner in which that that he draws fouls or has been drawing fouls. That doesn't take away from how good he is on on the court. He is a spectacular young player. He's advanced to the conference finals. He's a part of an infamous draft day trade 
with Dallas for Luka Doncic, which fairly or unfairly because of that trade, they'll always be compared to each other for the, for the rest of their careers, it feels like. Luka is Luka mania. He's a top 10 player, true MVP candidate. Trey Young is not as good as Luka Doncic, but he is. that doesn't take away anything about how good he is as a player and what he's been able to do this year. It's it's insanely impressive from a team that was 14 and 20 through 34 games, basically halfway through this 72 game season is now going to the Eastern Conference Finals. It was just everything about this year worked from the moment that they decided to change coaches. The roster, guys got healthier, guys started to play better. Herder, obviously the story last night, he had 27 points. In these series, a lot of times it comes down to role players having huge games in huge moments. You know, Terrence Mann, 39 points, Game 6, Clippers, uh, Jazz. Herder last night, 27 points, 10 for 18. The confidence level he showed anytime Seth Curry was on him or someone else who he had a size advantage because Kevin Herter six foot seven. He can drive, he can shoot over guys, he can make threes. He was he was obviously the huge, huge X factor. He played great. John Collins was huge. He had 16 huge rebounds, battling down low. Capella played, you know, did, you know, he he did his thing. Surprised that, you know, he's a poor free throw shooter. Surprised Philly didn't try to send him to the line a little bit more. But overall, you can't say, you can't take anything away from Atlanta now. They are in the Eastern Conference Finals. They have a really tough matchup against Milwaukee. And Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and all those guys who just knocked off the Nets, who are the title favorites coming into these playoffs, uh, or at least the, the Eastern Conference favorites. It is going to require another huge series from Trey Young and all those guys in Atlanta to to have a chance to to beat the Bucks. But we'll get into that because because Game One is Wednesday night. But the Hawks are for real; they are making a believer out of me. I thought that this type of performance would come two years from now when Trey Young was 23, 24 years old, and not right now in his third year in in the NBA, it's just a spectacular performance. So all props to the Atlanta Hawks. As much as you can praise Atlanta, man, does Philly have to feel like that they blew this series. Philly famous, you know, infamously blew game five. Um, They had a huge lead in that one. You could, you know, you know, maybe they blew game four, but they had a great chance to win game four. So, they had to think after game five, man, you know, this series should be over. We should have won. They go into Atlanta game six, win that game. Huge. They say, okay, we're coming home. We have Joel Embiid games on, on our home court. We're more playoff experience with our best players. I thought Philly was going to win. There was a lot of issues, you know, in, in, in the playoffs, who you are as a team gets exposed and, and brought out. This is a team that is not very deep. It's a team that needs some more help around their key player in Joel Embiid. And it was proven that they are they are not a one man show, but that when it gets really, really tight 
it is they have to find someone who they can get the ball to on the perimeter who can take a little pressure off of Embiid, who's played 41 minutes last night, to be able to drive and attack the basket and get to the free throw line and someone else can knock down free throws. I like Tobias Harris. I think he's a good player. I think he's a nice player. I don't think Tobias Harris is your second best player on a championship team because we we, we debate if Chris Middleton could be your second best player on a championship team. And Chris Middleton is better than Tobias Harris. Way better. And and Milwaukee may win the championship. So maybe Chris so it may turn out you can win with Chris Middleton as your second best player. I think you can. But Tobias Harris, I think he's your third best player. I think he's your third best player on a championship team. Mainly because you need a really good third best player, and he's a really, really good player. But for your second best player, you need some more creation on the wing to help out Joel Embiid and Harris. It's not Seth Curry. Seth Curry's a great shooter, but when you start having him creating for himself on the on the wings, driving to the basket, you're asking him to do something that's not his game. It's not really Shake Milton. Maybe it will be Tyrese Maxey. I think that's a lot asking for a second-year player next year to do it, especially this year as a rookie. It's got to be with the current way the roster constructed, a lot of pressure falls onto Ben Simmons. And look, Ben Simmons is a really, really good NBA player. He was all NBA last year. He is a maybe the best perimeter defender in the entire league, maybe the entire world. Six foot ten, explosive in transition, a great passer. But in the half court game of the playoffs, in the half court game when it gets super, super late, he is not a creator for himself off the dribble. And that is an issue when you don't have someone else who can who you can do that and have a lot of faith in the way that you wish Tobias Harris was a little bit more create for himself off the dribble because Simmons brings so much to the table for you on offense and on mainly on defense that you want him on your team. He's super young. He's only 24. He's a good NBA player. He's a very good NBA player, but to take pressure away from Joel Embiid, the, the fit with Simmons, unless he improves something about his game coming into next year, it's going to be tough for Philly to advance past Brooklyn and Milwaukee if Simmons is their second best player again. Because that's also been the issue with Ben Simmons is that since he's come into the NBA, you know he was hurt his true rookie year. So then his his second year, which ended up being his rookie year, wins wins rookie of the year was fantastic. Sixteen points a game, eight rebounds, eight assists, almost two steals, shot fifty five percent from from the field. Said okay. This guy's really good. He's going to get better. Okay, he didn't take any threes. That's a little weird. Oh, his free throw shooting wasn't that good, but he'll get better. He's only 21. If you go to his basketball reference page, it looks the same, almost exactly the same. As a rookie, he went, you know, his four years in the NBA, he went 15.8 points a game, 16.9, 16.4, 14.3. Field goal percentage, 45%, sorry, 55 55%, 56%, 58%, 56%. Threes, still basically zero attempts a game. 0.1, 0.1, 0.1, 0.2. Free 
free throw shooting, he went from 56 to 60 to 62 to 61%. What has he really gotten better at that can really help this team going forward? Because he is a he is a very good NBA player, but his lack of improvement on the offensive side of the floor for himself is troubling. And it makes you question sort of where to go, where this team can go moving forward, because he is really good. He has a lot of trade value. Teams are definitely interested in him. He has a big contract, so you have to make that stuff work. But is this a question of just, for the guys who are behind the scenes, I do not know. Media members do not know. Fans do not know of. Why hasn't he gotten seemingly, from the outside looking in, better on offense? He's a really, really good player. But for in terms of creating for himself and especially shooting-wise, if, if they don't think he's going to get better at that, maybe Daryl Morey says either it's time to trade him and try to get someone else back, which is a huge risk because you, you don't know who you're going to get back and how they'll fit in with, with the team. Or you say, do we have to f- bring someone else in to play point guard and have Simmons in crunch time either be not on the floor or be in the dunker spot down low, kind of like a power forward because he's huge, good finisher, but he's got to become a better free throw shooter. The other issue in this game was and it's been a running theme weirdly for a couple of years has been Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers now has blown a lead in another playoff series. You know, this year it was 2 to 1, so it wasn't a huge huge lead, but a lot of weird comeback wins went against him again this year, went against him last year in the bubble with the Clippers in Denver. Whether it's just a weird coincidence that all this stuff keeps happening, but Something's up with Doc Rivers coaching-wise. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a good uh, personality manager. He gets along with those guys. It, it feels like that that the guys on the team respect him, and they listen to him, and they take coaching from him. But something about these comebacks, it's just weird. It's just weird. So where does Philly go from here? They have a lot of decisions. Luckily for Philly fans and for Philly in general, they have the best general manager in basketball in terms of who can add the most to the edges of his roster through trades, creativity, all that type of stuff. He made a great trade last year for for Seth Curry, drafted they you know they bring in Tyrese Maxey. George Hill, he's not my favorite player, helped out this this year. He's a good midseason acquisition. Daryl Moore is going to improve this roster. It's it, he he's just going to improve it. And we'll see what they do. We have a couple free agents. Kyle Lowry obviously going to be heavily rumored uh, to Philly. A couple other key free agents. We'll see what they do. But don't count them out going forward. Daryl Morey is a wizard. And he will make this team better. I think Simmons and Embiid will remain on, on the team next year. But with Daryl Morey especially, he, anything is on the table. Other game yesterday, Suns Clippers. Quickly, no overreactions to game one, especially, you know, that's just a general rule, but especially when Ty Lue is coaching. The Suns win 121 14. They shot really, really well. They shot 55% from the field, you know, and they were able to overcome the, the Clippers making 23 pointers. 
it was a it was a good game, you know, but Ty Lue's going to take this game, they're going to watch the film, and they're going to make adjustments. I still think that playing small is their best way going forward. I think Morris will play more than 21 minutes than he did in uh, in, in game one. I like that Rondo played 22 minutes. I think he's just, I think he has a good fit in this series. He's a, he's a playoff performer. As much as I love when they go a little bigger with Zubach, and I love the cousin min, uh, DeMarcus Cousins minutes, their small ball lineup has been their ace in the hole. It's been their great go-to move that has turned series, turned turn the tides, and it's been a really, really dominant, it's been a really, really dominant uh, lineup for them against Dallas, against Utah. I think it will work again in this series. Even though Aiton is probably a little better, not, not probably not a little better. He's he's probably better than Gobert is in terms of defending the perimeter one on one. Doesn't mean he's better than defender than than Gobert, and he's definitely better than Porzingis out on the perimeter guarding one on one. You know, when guys are attacking his closeouts, but that does not mean that that's still not an advantageous thing for Los Angeles to try to exploit. The more that Aiton's away from the basket, the Suns don't have another rim protector. You could say Mikael Bridges. Yeah, he's tall. Yes, he has long arms. But he's out on the wings guarding Paul George and uh, Reggie Jackson and, and all these guys who are hitting threes and, and all this stuff. Getting him, getting Aiton away from the basket and letting these guys on the Clippers, whether it's Rondo Jackson George attacking downhill with with rim protection not there in the paint that could be huge going forward. We'll see what the Clippers do. Obviously Kawhi still out. His knee injury seems pretty serious. Um, otherwise, you you have to think he would be playing. Chris Paul still out with in, in the COVID protocols. Unclear when he'll come back. I still think Phoenix will win Game Two, but. They have a chance to adjust as well. Devin Booker was awesome for them, but they shot the ball really, really well. Devin Booker's not going to have 40-point triple-doubles in every game this this series. He's just not. Because if he does, then he then you just tip tip your cap and say, this dude is extraordinary. I think he's really good, but I don't think he's 40-point triple-double good in every single game. LA is going to find a way to adjust. Phoenix won't shoot as well. And they're going to have to adjust to the Clippers' small lineup, whether that means having Bridges play the five or Crowder play the five and playing Cameron Johnson, who I like, another big 6'8", 6'9", guy who can really shoot, whether that's playing Saric at a small ball five, giving Frank Kaminsky some some run. Uh, If the Clippers decide to stay big, if if Eaton gets in foul trouble one, one game, maybe you have to go to him. It's going to be really interesting to see how these two coaches adjust going forward because two good coaches, Western Conference Finals, key players in and out of the lineup. It's it's going to be really interesting to, to see what happens. Breaking news this morning from Washington. The Supreme Court has ruled in a unanimous 9-0 decision that the NCAA cannot bar relatively modest payments to student-athletes in the name of amateurism. It is based on the antitrust law and the antitrust uh, model. Now, what does this mean? Well, the first thing that it means is college athletes will now be able to get some form of 
education-based compensation more benefits while they're in school. So this means that a football player, a volleyball player, a baseball player, a swimmer can receive payment for a laptop if they can't afford to have one. It means that they can get a musical instrument if they have to take a music class, tutoring, study abroad, internships. It does not mean yet that a team can say, all right, you play on the women's soccer team. Here's $10,000 for this for the season. It will come in this X number of dollars every two weeks with the bonus. Hey, if we make the NCAA tournament, you get another 1000 Make the final four, you get another 5000 We're not there yet. But what we're there is education-based benefits for college athletes while they are in college. Um, that could make a a huge difference to them and it was a unanimous decision which is kind of crazy to think about just in the history of the Supreme Court how many unanimous decisions there have been especially with the polarization of the you know the very liberal members of the court the very conservative members of the court all agreeing that there there needs to be more education based benefits for college athletes and more is going to be reported now there will definitely try new lawsuits and new rules for nil legislation more direct compensation for college athletes some states have already approved nil but it seems as if it may take a true supreme court case for the NCAA to make to, to to truly change their rules. And so this is a huge step going forward because it's the first real dent in in the NCAA's amateurism model in a former in, in, sorry, in, in a formal uh stage like this. Um We'll see what what happens going forward, but but this is a this is a really really big this is a really big step going forward, and we'll see what happens in the future lawsuits and future things with the NIL starting this this morning or sorry starting uh, this summer. But uh, it's it's a huge step. It's it's a huge step that college athletes will now be able to get more benefits. Uh, scholarships students will, will now be able to get education-related benefits that can make a really big difference for a lot of athletes while they're in school. You know, it's really hard to do Zoom school if you don't have a laptop, right? So it's really hard to do any type of school when you don't have a laptop. But a school couldn't give a student a laptop because they were a college athlete. And now, now that we're seeing that, you know, we'll we'll see what what happens going forward with the NIL and all all this stuff. But it's a big, big step today. And as more comes out about the ruling, we'll be able to dissect it on the Athletic, ESPN, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, all those great websites with those great journalists br- breaking it all down. Be really, really interesting. But that was that was the the breaking news this 
this morning. It's a very good step for college athletes. And for the NCAA, the the model of amateurism needs to change. And they seemingly will only change if it's being forced to change. And it's so far this morning, the, the courts are starting to force them to change it. That'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or rate your podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. Also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back hopefully tomorrow. Take care and make it a great day.